0: My name is Reuben. not a preacher or pastor by training, but uh, I'll give it a go. Um, it's funny because while we were in worship today, I was like, well, that goes my sermon because God already answered. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so we were, my topic is rejection. That's part of the fences. And I was like, wow, in, during this worship, I felt the sweetness of Jesus. That what, that's what gets us through that. You know, that's the answer. Sweetness of Jesus. Come into that. Linger in that and you will find your breakthrough. The sweetness of Jesus. And um, so let's uh, delve into the Bible. Um, The scripture I choose today, which was actually, there's something been on my heart for like a month now and Dave Perry kind of touched on it briefly last week. It's based on Samuel, his life. Samuel was a kingmaker who anointed Saul and David. Right? But, we know about Samuel, but just let's go back, rewind a little bit to his mom, Hannah. So the story goes like this: There was a man. There's a certain man named Elkanah. He had two wives. Well, I'm not sure how he dealt with that, but one was called Hannah and one was called Penina. This sounds so similar too. So he had two wives, and Penina had children. Hannah had none, zero, and. It's t- I wonder how she felt when she kept saying, you know, Penina kept having children after sons and daughters, and she's having nothing. And so the despair of it, part of rejection, there's not so much to do the answer, but the state that it puts us in when we receive a no. In a sense of we feel despair, we feel anger, we feel hurt, and and we feel actually hopeless sometimes. That's what we feel when we feel rejection. It's a full-on emotional thing and it affects our psychological state, our emotional state, and our social, social state. It's very powerful, and a lot of people are driven by it. Um, I actually, well, this is totally off the, off, off the wimp, but uh, there's a guy called Windhoff, that's a Dutchman. So when 15 years ago, his wife died uh, from cancer, and his, answer his whole thing was, well, God, why did you reject my pleas? Why did you reject from saving my wife? And so his answer was, well, I'm going to push my body to the extreme. I'm going to push it. That's his thing. His whole purpose is not driven by a rejection that was unanswered. He couldn't deal with it. And so he's now creating... He he has 21 Guinness Book Records now. He's the longest man to stay in the ice for the longest period. He climbed Mount Everest. Mount Everest is 29,000 feet. He climbed up to 22,000 feet with just his shorts. No oxygen tank, no clothing, nothing. He couldn't keep going on because his foot started hurting. Right? So he ran through the, uh, the desert for four hours with not a single drop of water. So he's pushing his body to the extreme, and you could see he's driven by rejection. And, uh, well, we'll just come back to the story. And so Elkanah was a religious man. He would go to the temple, he would offer sacrifice, and there's something sweet about his heart too. Whenever the day came for Elkanah to sacrifice, he would give portions of the meat to his wife, Panina, and to all her sons and daughters. But to Hannah, he gave a double portion because he loved her. And the Lord had closed the womb. You know? So he wasn't a he was a good guy. You know, and he loved Hannah. Because the Lord had closed Hannah's womb, her rival kept provoking her in order to irritate her. How would that be? Hey, you didn't get what you don't you're not getting this? You know, what's happening to your life? Why isn't God answering your call? Are you doing something wrong? You know, it's um in German they have a word called "schadenfreude," which means you take pleasure in the misery of others. This is exactly what Panina is doing. That's why we like to celebrate celebrities fail. Number one uh, YouTube hits, celebrities fail every time. We take pleasure in the misery of others. And so, so this went year after year. This was not a one-time thing. Every year when they would come to the festival and they would sacrifice, Hannah was always provoked by Penina, Year after year, year after year of rejection from God. God, where is my kid? Lord, where is my kid? That's not happening. Why are you blessing her and not me? Do you feel that God was thinking? Do you feel that she knew that God was good? I don't know. That despair, the anger, the hurt. How can you believe that God is good when she is having multiple kids and I got nothing? All these fruits and I got nothing. It's misery. And so... But then one day, something happened. Once when they had finished eating and drinking in Shiloh, Hannah stood up. And now Eli, the priest, was sitting on his chair by the doorpost of the Lord's house. In a deep anguish, Hannah prayed the Lord, weeping bitterly. So she's always there, doing it year after year and year after year. I'm pretty sure Eli would have seen her, but because you know millions of Israelites would come into the temple and pray, And probably she was just one of them. Uh, I skipped the passage there a little bit, but it's kind of funny, because she was weeping, she was praying, and she was praying without making a noise, not to disturb the others. And Eli actually thought she was drunk. I think that's a little bit hilarious. Out here is this broken woman, and she's crying, and she's so much pain and hurt. And Eli thinks she's drunk. It's um, kind of... uh, well, I'm going to digress a little bit. There's this uh, particular subset of the Hindu religion in Singapore that I know. Uh, They're all, all over the world, actually. Uh, they have a temple they go to to pray. But the temple is like a modern day building. And upstairs is the prayer room. And downstairs is kind of like a bar. So, so mostly what happens, this is what my friend told me, right? He, go, he goes to the, you know, when he was a kid, he'd go up with the mom to his, uh, the prayer room to pray, the big hall, hall over there. But but man would sit down and drink. And the idea is, hey, you know, God can see us drinking wherever, and also drink in the temple and give back the money back to him. You know? <laughs> so that was, the, that was the whole thing about it. So he loves going to the temple now, apparently. <laughs> now he's all grown up. Uh, and also, yeah, by the way, those, are, those communities are known for the business activities. They're the moneylenders, and, and history wise, they are amazing businessmen. But yeah, I'm digressing a little bit. So anyways, Eli thought she was drunk, and it kind of reminded me of, you see, just a, a judgment there at the misery of someone. You know, you see the outwards part of it, and you think, something's happening not right there. Me and Anne were watching a movie called Miracle from Heaven. Um, it's a bit of a cheesy Christian flick. <laughs> <You know? laughs> so they're getting better, by the way. They're getting better every time. Um, but anyways, I remember, the is about a mom and a, a family in Texas, and one of the little baby girls, about four years old, has been, he a double whammy with uh, intestine problems. She's not able to process food, and the intestines are all mangled up, meaning she could live for three days, or she could live for three months, nobody knows. And so it's a battle that the family is going through, it's based on a true story. And so they're going to go, and she's going to church, she's praying and crying to God. And one day, this well-meaning Christian, some of her own friends, come up to her and says, hey. You know, it's been a while now. It's been a few months since you're suffering the pain. Do you think it's because of your sin? Do you think it's because of your husband's sin? The girl's only four years old. And the question they raised was, what about her sin? Is there a sin that's stopping her from healing? How do you deal with that? Right? And her answer was anger. She stopped going to church. So why should I go to church? And I know a friend of mine, he's been a Christian for years. I'll, I'll come back to that on the sin and rejection. It's a question of sin and rejection. How, does, how is that going to work? The answer will be answered in a few slides later. A friend of mine, he's been a Christian. He's been in the ministry for years. And we've been praying for his back for years now. Right? He's been praying every time. There's a back pain that comes that almost paralyzes him. And so one day, while we're driving, he's like, Ruben, yeah, I don't know why God is not healing me, man like, what's happening? Is there a sin in my life that I don't know about? Or is it like an inter- intergenerational sin? Something that grandfather did and, did and so that's why I'm stuck in this pain. It's a tough question to ask. You know? But the answer will be revealed later. Um, and so, so Eli thought she was drunk and after she said to him what she was crying about and she said, no sir, I'm just here, I'm praying for a release, I'm praying for a blessing, right? And so, the next slide, we'll see that. And Eli answered, he doesn't know what she's praying but She just said, I'm weeping bitterly because I'm anguished, I'm in pain, and I need help. Eli answered, go in peace, and may the God of Israel grant you what you've asked for him. And she said, may your servant find favor in your eyes. Then she went away, and she ate something, and her face was no longer downcast. She hasn't seen a miracle yet. She hasn't seen a breakthrough yet. Well, all of a sudden, there's a change in the countenance of her heart. Um, <clears throat> this is my a funny thing about this story is that this I read this about two, three weeks ago. And two, three weeks ago, our, uh, about four weeks ago, I had an exam that I had to do uh, as part of my <laughs> CPA exam to be certified accountant. So, this is my last module. Um, of text before I write the final exam, which is a three day exam. But I had to do it by April. If I don't pass it in April, I would then have to wait till 2019, September, to write it. So it's one and a half years of limbo, just waiting again, waiting and waiting. So so if I don't pass it in, in, in April, yeah. So I, and I actually failed it in December. It's my second time writing this particular module. And I was thinking about this, I was stressing out, and I was in anxiety, and and I got you know people in my small group to pray. And I didn't go to small group because I was spending my night studying. Um, and I, two or three weeks ago on a Sunday, I uh, came to church and Pastor Norman was like, "Ruben, yeah, oh, we prayed for you. You're going to pass, man, you're going to pass. I was like, okay, yeah, you know, but yeah, the waiting period is just miserable, but you're going to pass, right? And so I was like, okay, okay, you know, yeah, it's God of man who said that, but let's just move on, you know. Um, so I went back home and Within that week, this verse came to me, and the particular part where she went home, she ate, and her face was no longer downcast. You know, because of the word of, God, the word of God that was said by a man, by a man of God. And to me, okay, Lord, you're speaking to me something here. I'm going to go out in faith and say, I'll no longer be downcast. I'll no longer be stressed about this. Let, me, let my countenance be of gratefulness and happiness rather than of. Dejection and miserableness and anxiety. And this was, really spoke to me. I'm just like, wow. And so, in the course of time, I actually skipped a few verses there too because too many words on the slides. Um, she, Elkanah, knew her wife and God remembered Hannah's words. And I was thinking about that. In the words you in the scripture, it says, God remembered her. I was like, oh, God remembered her always every time i read this i was like okay right you know human remembrance i'm doing something i'm like oh yeah i remember that oh yeah i've got to do that thing right now but that's it that's not the way i think that's not the way i remember god said when i remember i hold it close to my heart i wait for the right time to bring it to fruit You're, you're pleased in your christ they're not going to go waste he remembers it it's in his heart and you will see the end of it you will see the fruit And so, in due time, Hannah gives birth to Samuel. And she did make a promise to God, if, have, if I have a child, the first child I have, I'll give it to your service. And she did. She put Samuel in the care of Eli, who was a priest at the time. That itself was an act of faith, because Eli's, Eli was a good man, but his sons were corrupt. Right? So she knew she was giving up Samuel, her precious son, to a messed up situation. But she trusted God, God will take care of Samuel. Again, it's act of faith the act of faith. And I love the prayer of Hannah. For some odd reason, a lot of things happen in the Bible, but we always don't hear a prayer of thankfulness straight away. It's not written in the Bible. In this one, we do have it. I love what Hannah says there. And Hannah prayed and said, my heart rejoices in the Lord. In the Lord, my horn is lifted high. That's a breakthrough. Listen, it's not just going to be a problem solved for you. Your horn will be lifted high. Wherever people look down on you, however you feel, there will be an exaltation in the Lord for you. You won't be put to shame. And so, the next slide. Samuel, as we know, (coughs) is placed with Eli. He grows up there. Of All the callings in the Bible, I found Samuel's calling the most intriguing and most sweet. In the middle of the night, Jesus calls out his name, Samuel, Samuel. You know, to Moses was a burning bush. To Job was lightning and thunder. But to Samuel it was a sweet, gentle voice in the night. Samuel, Samuel, and Samuel goes up like, "Uh, what's happening?" He goes, "Eli, Eli, did you call me?" Uh, no. All right. Goes back three times. Right? God called him, and then he realized that it was God calling him. And Eli and Samuel grows up and he becomes a prophet for God, and he becomes a kingmaker for God. He anoints Saul first. Saul was a man that Israel wanted. So he anointed Saul. Saul did a lot of bad things wrong. And God says, you know what? I'm going to raise up another king, Saul. Samuel, go to the house of Jesse and find his son and anoint him and I'll make him the new king of Israel. Now, David is an interesting character. We all know David. Right? But let's get, this is really mind-blowing because God didn't tell Samuel who, which son it was. He says, just go to the house of Jesse and you'll find the son. So he goes to the house of Jesse, and Jesse brings out his sons. He brings seven of his sons out. And Samuel's looking at them one by one. Nope, not this one. Not this one. Surely this must be the one he taught. Guy was tall, big, and strong. God said, no, he's not the one. It is so funny, because the Bible mentions the first three sons' names. And so Jesse's like, well, you know, these are my sons. What else is there? And Samuel was like, is, is there anyone else? Don't you have any more sons? Seven sons! What an absurd question to ask! Any more sons? And Jesse's answer was was actually shocking. So, oh yeah, I know a guy, I know the youngest one. He's out in the sheep, uh, you know, shepherding the sheep. He doesn't even say his name. Almost like rejected. Almost like pushed away to the side. Nobody cares about him. He's out there on the field. Who cares? The youngest one. You know. And of course Samuel said, Bring him in, we will not sit till David comes in. And I think what David that's amazing is we always know about the story of Goliath, right? Yeah, he hit the Goliath and you know and and killed him. But we forgot that was just an output or was being input while he was shepherding the sheep. He meant other things that to me were remarkable. You know, and somebody said, I fought off the bear, I fought off the lion. You know, and surely God will give me victory over Goliath. He fought off a bear and then he fought off a lion. He killed them. I mean, I know people who fought off a goose and still talk about it. <laughs> Till this day. <laughs> I'm talking about someone who's been fought off a bear, man. What, what's going on? He fought a bear and then he fought a lion? Oh my gosh. You know, and I realized that he committed meet Goliath that day because God delivered him from the lion and from the bear. Those are s- small steps, right? And so I was like, wow, there's something there. If you're facing a storm and they feel like it's miserable and it's so heavy, go back to the small victories God has given you. Relive in them and thank Him for those because those are prepping you up for the storm that's coming or that you're in. And I love it. In the song, Cornerstone, right? He hears a lot of all through the storm. And the thing is, he didn't say the storm would go away though, right? But he's the Lord, and he's standing right with you. He's standing there. He's not going to go away from the boat. He's, holding, he's there. Hold his hand. Hold it tighter. And so, <clears throat> um, and this is the same thing. We remember the prayer of Hannah, and my horn will be exalted, right? And this is amazing. And so Samuel took the horn of oil and anointed him in the presence of his brothers, and from that day on, the spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon David, and Samuel went away. There's something there. The most lowly of the lowlies, the one that's rejected, the one that's thought is worthless. And all of a sudden the horn of all is appointed upon him. And he's anointed. He's exalted beyond his dreams. Right? And you can read on, and, and you know what and you know what happened after that? That's the funny thing. After all this anointing of this amazing, remarkable incident, David Went back to shepherding. Didn't become a king like that. You know, you take him over the next 10, 15 years to become a king. And during that time, he's chased by Saul. He's hunted down. He's being trying to be killed. What's that to do with anointing? Where's the anointing, Lord? Wait, right? 15 years. So, just because he got the word of anointing for that day, doesn't mean it's going to happen today. That's it. God holds it, holds it, holds his heart. When the day comes, you'll be exalted beyond your imagination. You'll find strength to go through the storm and when it comes on the day of anointment when it comes to fruition you'll be there and sometimes I do think it's because God wants to make us know that it's not us it's him it's not our efforts it's him sometimes we go through the storm to realize that I will them doing this Lord by your grace it's not my effort at all for example my tax exam. It was more praying than studying, actually, that got me through. Many people prayed for that. It's not my effort. I did my part, but I was like, Lord, it's up to you. I've, I've prayed, we have prayed, and I've received that victory. I, I held on to that words. I held on to the words of Pastor Noam. I held on to your words of, of exaltation. That was a cling on to it, persevere in it. Uh, it reminds me of a, a quick story you know in the part where Jesus is, uh, is preaching and then a, a woman comes in and she's asking Jesus for healing and come and heal my daughter. And Jesus says, well, why should I give to dogs that, you know, that I want to give to my children? Right? Rejection. God, Jesus actually rejected her. How do you deal with that? And look at her answer. But Lord, even the puppies, even the dogs get the crumbs from the table. There's something about the way we receive it our heart, our countenance will allow us to fully receive the intended purpose of the gift, the breakthrough. But the answer is not for us to work ourselves inside. It's for us to see what Jesus has done on the outside for us. Don't go back inside. There's nothing in there. It's chaos. But look back to the cross. The freedom and the sweetness is found there. And we'll find that in the, uh, in the next slide. <clears throat> and this is a funny thing. So in the first slide, I highlighted Hannah went up to the house of the Lord, right? But something has changed from then. Now the house of the Lord has come down. Hannah had to go up, but Jesus came down. You see? And the large crowds followed him. And this is a funny thing. So a man of leprosy came and knelt before him and said, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. There's a lot of things to unpack here, which is, to me is mind-blowing. Firstly, there's a leper where was he among the crowds? If they saw him, they would have stoned him to death. It's Levitical law. They have to kill that guy, right? He shouldn't be there. And what's he doing there? And so I was really thinking about it, and until I heard a sermon, I'll show you a little bit of a small clip of how it could, could have happened to end. Another shocking thing is is the way he said, Lord, if you are willing. What? Why don't you just say, Lord, just heal me? Like, Bartholomew. Lord, what do you want? Lord, I just want to see. And so he got his sight. But this guy was different. If you are willing. As though, I think he had a more in-depth knowledge of suffering. He had more in-depth knowledge of cosmic presence, of of everything that's happened to him. Because he was a leper. He's been rejected. He's been outcast. He's been put away. He's been been told his whole life, you're like that because of your sin. This is your sin that's caused you to become a leper. You know? He, He... And for him to say, Lord, if you're willing, I'm like, wow. Why does he be working on him, Lord? You know, I would have felt like entitled a little bit. You have the power, why don't you heal me? You know, and it's kind of like the kind of narrative right now in society too, a little bit. You have the money, give it to the poor. You know, it's a little bit of a a weird uh, entitlement uh, spirit that's there. But his, 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 his choice of words were really interesting. Lord, if you're willing. And I'll point you something else that's very unique. I didn't realize it till then that... Okay, so he's up on the mountainside where he gave the Sermon of the, the Beatitudes, the, you know, and all those things. And the, the man of the leprosy might have thought, might have, you know, he went through, he i have heard about Jesus, he'd gone through the little places, hide from everyone else, and was probably hiding somewhere, probably behind a rock or something, right? And he's hearing the words of Jesus. He thought that he came to see Jesus. He didn't realize that Jesus was coming down to see him. Jesus had taken many routes down the, the hillside, but he went where the leper was. He? he already knows where he is. You know, A little bit of a search and Jesus will come down for you. Don't forget, we have a father who runs to us. He runs. He doesn't wait. He doesn't care how filthy you are, how dirty you are. He just runs and hugs you. I had a, a vision sometime back. So it's, it's a pretty unique vision in the sense that the vision was I was a baby, and I was sitting in a huge wasteland of pile of garbage and and, and manure and, and and everything. I was just a kid. I was just a little baby there. It's all and there I could see like other, like in my mind other babies sitting around. It's all this crap, and I was like, that's the p- place of utter desolation. There is no hope for that baby, and that's me, and in my vision, I see a man coming towards me, he stops right next to me, I see his shadow on me, and I'm just like a little baby, just looking up, and he picks me up, wipes my face, puts me over his shoulders, and he says, today you'll be in my house forever, and he walks me out of the garbage dump, and I was like, wow, did I know, I knew what was happening, but I didn't, as a baby, I didn't fully understand what was actually really happening. I didn't understand the gift that was being bestowed upon me. And I didn't know that the man who picked me out would pay for it with his life for me. And so on that note, I just want to, I saw this clip and I thought it was really good about about how that scripture played out. And so if you can watch that short few minutes of video of YouTube, I'll come back to, uh, to close.
1: Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. No one can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore, I say to you, do not worry about your life what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body, what you will put on. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air, for they neither sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Which of you by worrying can add one cubit to his stature? So why do you worry about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, and yet I say to you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Now, if God so clothes the grass of the field, Descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. thing.
0: the vision of what I was talking about yeah. right uh, and that's pretty accurate the topography of where the similar mount happened that was exactly how it was so that's why the, the multitude did not see the man with leper hiding behind a rock hearing the words of Jesus those years of desolation of fear hate and feelings and all that and Jesus was coming down to meet him he did not know that and so in a way Jesus come down for us, you know. He became rejected for us. And so all that is summed up when he cried out on the cross, Eli, Eli, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? In his rejection, we find our acceptance. In his rejection, we find our breakthrough. In his rejection we find the power and the strength to go through the, the storms to go through the, the wilderness because he's standing right next to us. He's got you. The answer to the question of sin and rejection is the cross. We live in a different times. Don't live in the levitical times anymore. It's not about just sin that brings about disease and sickness. He has his plans, Yes but that was all done on the cross and when you say it is finished and positionally it is finished it's not your sin that's creating your diseases and such, it's this it's body's natural world, but we do know how God heals and how God hears and he remembers sometimes the answer is not what you're looking for, sometimes the answer can be a no, but guess what he's right there in the storm when disciples are going across the boat and Jesus was sleeping and they were terrified of the storm and they actually ask Jesus, do you not care that we're going to die? Jesus wakes up and he comes to storm. And he was right down the board with them. For some of us, Jesus will, will come the storm. For some of us, he expects us to come the storm in his name. For some of us, he's saying, I'm on the board with you. Nothing is going to happen. You are with me. So just make a short prayer. Lord, we, the sweetness of your name, Lord, the sweetness of who you are, Jesus, when you came down and rescued us from our misery and our miserableness, you give us hope. What do we have left, Lord, but you? In, this, in your sweetness, in your grace, we find hope, we find acceptance, and we find the will, the courage to triumph over rejection, because you would have rejected stone that became the cornerstone. And we thank you, Lord, for that love. I just pray for your grace and your mercy and for the anointing of all over our heads. Let our horns be exalted in your name, Lord, so we will all cheerfully pray the prayer of Hannah, Lord, with such joy. And we thank you, Lord, for that. All this, I pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.